Hi, a very good morning to all of you. I'm Gerald here, one of the pastoral team member in Amokyo Methodist Church. This morning, I am uh, here to deliver the sermon to you. And uh, before we go into the sermon proper, let's commit this time to the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I would like to come before you this morning. I just want to say, Lord, a very big thank you for this beautiful Sunday, Lord. Father, as I preach the word of yours, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak into the hearts of all the listeners. Lord, the word of yours will not come back void, Lord. Lord, I pray and I ask, Father, that your name be glorified. Jesus, your name be glorified. So I commit the rest of the sermon in your hands right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, at this moment, let me read to you the scripture reference, which is taken from Matthew chapter 2 to Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. And it goes like this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. Till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. 
Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. But those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I understand that this month is family month. The youths also celebrated this month as youth month, as youth day fell on 4th of July. We had a series of preaching by invited guests, including the True Love East team, where we touch on the topic of faith and sexuality. Because it's family month, I come before you this morning wearing a father's hat. I myself have two wonderful children, and as PTM for Youth Ministry, your kids are under my care. I will dive straight to the point regarding today's sermon. I titled today's sermon as, I love you, that's why I warn you. As you have heard, the scripture reference is taken from Matthew chapter 2 to Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. And I'll take points from it. You know, at home, I often engage in conversation with my children in various topics they want to talk about. We talk about friendship, bullying, the world, and even spiritual stuff. And most importantly, we talk about Jesus I often warn my children gently that as they grow up, no matter what happens in their lives, stick to Jesus. For our Lord is the only one who understands our life struggles. As people, uh, including family members, might not fully understand us, but Jesus does. And He is God. He is the Son of God. He will provide a way out and see us through life. It is always around meal time that we chat. And often when we chat, um, the kids will forget to eat their food, you know. And my wife have to intervene to hush us and to continue with our dinner. I often tell my kids gentle warnings about the journey in life as a Christian because I love them. I want them to know that life has many potholes in front and Jesus is the only one who can see us through them. When I was growing up, I did not grow up in a Christian family. I did not have Jesus to guide me. When I became a Christian, I saw things clearer. And I want my kids to follow Jesus so that they need not go through the unnecessary potholes of life as He will guide them. I love them. That's why I warn them. My sermon today is primarily for our church. That's you listening in. The Christian family. My concern is for every Christian listening in, especially the younger audience. And it is about our worship unto the Lord. I wonder at this point of time, what is our attitude, approach 
thoughts, priority towards our Lord Jesus Christ right now. The pandemic is still here and it has definitely changed the culture, mindset and even worldview of people around the world. For us, the Christians, we are forced to approach corporate worship with the new norm approach. It will always be a hybrid of online and on-site services and the straddling of the allowed pack size for gathering. Indeed, the pandemic has brought forth a new world system, which we as Singaporeans have to adapt to as well. We do not know how each one of us individually are doing in the Lord unless we are transparently connected to people we are accountable to and they be our accountability guiding light. How has our worship unto the Lord been? How is our walk with Jesus Christ right now? As you all know, we do not have on-site worship due to the COVID-19 measures for a long time. And everyone is at home tuning in to Sunday service through YouTube. That's where you're watching right now. And on one of the Sunday mornings, I had a realization that something had changed in my family's attitude to the worship unto the Lord. At 9 a.m. on one of the Sundays, when I turned on our YouTube worship service, my kids just woke up and were sitting at the dining table, sheepishly eating breakfast while the YouTube worship service was going on. When I asked them to join the worship by standing up to follow the order of service, just like how we are at corporate service, physical meeting up, there were a lot of resistance. I look at my wife. I said, this cannot do. I decided that on Sunday mornings, we all will stand up properly to worship God as we watch the YouTube Sunday service. I had to tell my kids, if we don't do this, we will lose the attitude of worship and the reverent awe of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that will spell trouble for all our lives. I love them. That is why I warn them. Unknowingly, the new norm have secretly seeped into our family's worship life and affected our worship attitude. My family is not out of the woods yet, as there are many readjustments we need to make in order to ensure our focus on worshipping Jesus continues. Going back to regular on-site worship service will be another readjustment we need to make after one and a half years of not having it. Dear church, I love you and that is why I'm gently warning you right now. Do you also realize there are subtle signs of change in your lives during this COVID-19 period regarding your worship unto the Lord? In this family month, we speak about honoring, loving and loving and having a loving attitude to one another at home and even towards our church community. Then, How about our Lord Jesus Christ? Is He not part of the family as well? If the pandemic have pushed you closer to God, experiencing even deeper intimacy with Him, go deeper. Praise God for that. But if you do realize that your worship attitude have changed, what are you going to do about it? Dear church, I love you. That's why I'm gently warning you right now. Do you know 
do you not know that throughout history, there have always been attempts by the devil to destroy God's work as well as his people? From the book of Genesis, we saw how the devil deceived Eve to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and gave it to Adam to eat, resulting in the original sin. From the book of Exodus, the scheme of the devil through Pharaoh to depopulate the Israelites by instruction to the midwives to kill all the Israelite baby boys at birth, which could be a scheme to destroy that one person who was called to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses. Nearer to our modern times, the Holocaust event during World War II, where Hitler and the Nazis killed 6 million European Jews through pogroms, mass shootings, and gas chambers. There had always been schemes of the evil one uh, to destroy God's work and his people. And I want to say in recent times, it may not be through violence, but through deceptive ways, so much so that people of God stray away from worshipping Jesus, so that the Christians do not put God first. And even if they were to go to church, but their hearts are far away from God, and that is fine with the devil. From the examples I have mentioned, we see a pattern at how the devil schemes to pull believers away from worshipping our Lord Jesus Christ, and even the attempts to destroy God's work of redemption, reconciliation, and salvation. Now, Matthew chapter 2 records exactly another account that the devil schemes to destroy Jesus and his people. We know the story in this chapter where Jesus enters the world and King Herod found out about it. Now, observe how he found out, how he reacted, and how he treated the information. My point number one is this. The devil wants no worship unto Jesus, but all worship and attention be placed on him. When King Herod found out the information from the wise men from the east that Jesus, the king of Jews, was born, he was troubled and all whole Jerusalem with him. From here, we can observe what kind of earthly king Herod is. He is insecure about his position. He was concerned about Jesus usurping his position. He wants all the attention on him. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be in control. That is why we can see from chapter 2, verse 3, when he found out Jesus, the heavenly king, was born, he was troubled and the whole Jerusalem with him. Maybe King Herod instructed for all women to be forcefully interrogated to find out which of them gave birth to Jesus. Maybe the food supply to the whole Jerusalem was seized so that the commoners were starved, so that someone would come forth with the information. We don't know exactly what happened, but we know the whole Jerusalem was troubled together with King Herod. That brings me to my point number two. The devil wants no worship unto Jesus and he will ensure it first through deceptive ways. Notice what King Herod told the wise men from the east. Chapter 2, verse 7 to 8 says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you had found him, Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. That is deception at the face. We all know King Herod wants to kill Jesus, the heavenly king, 
so that he can continue to be the earthly king. He told a lie to the wise men to come back and inform him about Jesus' whereabouts so that he could go and worship Jesus. No, that's a lie. We all know that he will not go and worship him. He will go and kill him. Remember earlier on, I mentioned about COVID-19 could have subtly changed our attitude of worship unto Jesus. If we reflect deep enough, some of us no longer put Jesus as priority. Our flesh and mindset could have taken over. We become lazy in our faith journey. When we sin, we no longer ask for His forgiveness. We stop at acknowledging that Jesus has brought divine grace into our lives. We stop at that. We just keep saying that grace is upon us. And we just want to be authentic and transparent, acknowledging that we are sinners. And that's it. Full stop. But we do not work towards repentance and carrying of our cross daily. Look at my family, my kids. That is an example, which is an example I shared earlier on. The COVID-19 lifestyle have brought forth complacency. I worry for our young people. So young people, if you are listening in, how are you doing in Jesus Christ? How's your worship unto Jesus? How is your walk with Him? Do you still read and study the Bible? Do you still pray fervently? Or have the forces of the COVID-19 climate taken over? and you have rendered everything about God as unimportant anymore. How about us, the adults? Have we grown lazy? Are we overwhelmed by the work required from us through work from home? Or have you lost your job? I'm not saying this lightly, but that's a very, very big matter, losing a job. And we lost hope in God and lost hope in God in such a way that you don't even think that He'll provide another for you? Or have you recently, uh, uh, you know, the, the good news, the real estate boom, the stock market bullishness, and the riches from online investments such as e-commerce and internet uh, opportunities have overwhelmed you? That you feel everything is good and God is actually with you. Hence, there's no need to pursue Him or seek Him deeper anymore because He's beside you, He's with you, He's in you. The devil uses deception to destroy God's work and destroy God's people. Because it is deceptive, we do not even know that we are in it. And that brings me to point number three. The devil wants no worship unto Jesus and he will eventually resort to taking off lives including our young ones. And I say this to everyone right now, especially parents. Take care of your children. The devil is out to take our lives, especially our young ones. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 to 18, records the rage King Herod went into when he found out his plan backfired as he himself was deceived by the wise men. He ordered for the massacre of all two years old and under male children in order to ensure infant Jesus is killed? Did he care for the lives of the children? Did he care about how the families felt when their sons were killed? No, he didn't. 
He only cared about destroying Jesus so that he will not usurp his throne. He only cared about himself being king and no one else. Maybe you will say, Gerald, come on. Come on. That is too far-fetched to happen to Christianity, to Christians, especially in Singapore. Well, you might be right. You might be right. The devil might not do it in such a way of ordering the killing of our children in order to stop them from worshipping Jesus or as a way of destroying his people. But how about engineering the spiritual death of the believers? In a recent survey conducted by Whole Life Research, it has found that 60% of youths surveyed saw their father as role models. And 70% of the youth surveyed saw their mothers as role models. However, in the same survey, 15% of these youths indicated that they read the Bible with their parents at least once a week. 15%. And 28% indicated praying and worshipping to God with their parents at least once a week. Now, as we can see, a big percentage of youth saw their fathers and mothers as role models. However, only 15% say they read the Bible with their parents and 28% say they worship together with their parents. So what happened to the 85% who don't read the Bible with their parents? Where do they get their Bible learning and reading from? Or are they even doing it? How about the 72% who did not indicate praying or worshipping with parents? Where are they learning to pray and worship from? Or are they even doing it? So parents, we have a crucial role to play in discipling our children, our youths. Do your kids know how to read or study the Bible properly? Do your kids know how to do devotions appropriately? Do you know that there is a movement called progressive Christianity in the West and now is occurring in Singapore? This Christianity places human experience such as emotions as priority consideration when studying the scripture. And the scripture, which is God's word, is no longer considered as authoritative. Human experience have become the focal point in such theological formation. This is dangerous. It is basically rendering God's word as powerless and non-authoritative and human self as king. Can you imagine what kind of theology or even devotions will come out of such processing? Such approach is a slow slide to a different kind of spirituality. And if I may say, it is not the type of God wants. My advice to everyone listening in, including myself, is to get our Bible study and reading in order and help our young generation to study and read the Bible properly to prevent this slow erosion of God's truth. If the younger generation do not know God's word, how will they know if they have sinned and in need of God's forgiveness and to know the need to repent. And that brings me to my final point, point number four. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, and it starts from God's own household. 
Jesus was sent to earth to first preach to the, to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. John the Baptist came to pave the way for Jesus' ministry, and he too was crying out to the Jews to repent and prepare for the Lord's ministry. Repentance starts from, the, from God's own household. Having shared all the previous points, I think it is good to take stock of our own walk with Jesus. What is our own attitude, approach to Jesus in our lives? Do you remember the church of Ephesus that it was mentioned, that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 2? It was seen as a church that had everything in order. However, Jesus warned them. They have left their first love for Him. And if they don't repent, the church will be removed. Today, you can do your own research. The site of the Ephesian church is in shambles. I remember um, a couple of years back, I was listening to a sermon preached by a pastor uh, to a group of youths. And he said this, if you want to be a missionary or evangelist or someone doing big things for God, Start by cleaning up your own room. If you cannot even handle the basics of personal responsibility, how are you going to manage big things for God? That went into my mind and I still hold on to it until today. I end my sermon here by saying this, I love you. That's why I warn you. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of all our sins and ask God for forgiveness if we have left our first love. Repent and teach our younger generation how to love and worship and follow God properly, for the future is getting unpredictable. And only sticking to Jesus will allow us to have stability in the life now and the one to come. I come to the end of my sermon and I hope that the Word of God will speak into the hearts of all of you listening in. And I want to encourage you, repent. And I want to encourage myself, repent. If the Holy Spirit brings to mind the things that we have fallen short of, help our young generation and young people who are listening in. If you don't read the Bible, if you do not know God's Word, how would you know what is sin? How would you know that you need to ask God for forgiveness in areas of your lives? And how would you know that you need to repent? Let us pray. Father, I just want to come before you. I want to thank you, first of all, Holy Spirit, for being here with us this morning. Holy Spirit, I put it in your hands, the words of yours. But I want to ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me. Forgive my family. Forgive all those who are listening in. If we have fallen short, if we have sinned against Jesus. Lord, teach us to ask for your forgiveness once again, Lord. Teach us to repent. Teach us to walk on this route of repentance and caring of our daily cross once again, Father. Lord, I pray for protection over our whole church. 
I pray that you protect us, Lord, as things are getting unpredictable. But Lord, we know that you are stable and you are unshakable. So I commit everything right now, every person in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.